time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Amen. Well, we are. Uh, Unbeknownst to you, many of you, we are working through the vow, and so I'm going to be talking a little bit on mission tonight. Uh, And so last week we talked about uh, being the kind of people that allow God to speak to you and allow God to give you dreams, but being okay with living in the delay before we see those dreams come to fruition. Um, Tonight I want to talk about actually being on mission for Jesus, and I want to talk about what it means to be missional people, missional men, missional women that live for the advancement of the gospel. And, uh, and I want to start by talking, uh, uh, even as we, as we begin this, about an attitude that I, that I think sometimes we can have. And so what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about two three-letter verbs, two short three-letter words. They're both verbs. They have very different meaning. And I want us to be a kind of people that Move, and kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight is going from a got to a get. Move from a got to a get. It has very little to do with the black-eyed peas tonight. I mean, maybe a little bit, but very little. Uh, but how do we get from a people that are a got to a people that are a get? And what I mean by that is that oftentimes it's easy to live with a, a got spirit. It's easy to, it's late, you know, maybe, maybe it's late at night and uh, you're like, man, I haven't. I haven't read my Bible today, and uh, man, I just—I guess I got to read my Bible, and and it's this attitude of like I've got to do it, and it's 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 a burden, and I don't know that I want to, and uh, and we have this like it's a conviction, but really we have this it's it's something that I don't want to do, but I've got to towards different things. So so I, I think even in terms of talking about like reading our Bible, sometimes it feels like a burden. Oh, I've got to do this. Do you know? that it is a privilege that we have a Bible. Uh, by the year 500 AD, the Bible had been translated into 500 languages. 500 languages by 500 AD. By 600 AD, it was taken down to one. By 600 AD, in 100 years, the Bible went from being in 500 languages to only being in Latin. And actually, if you were caught with a Bible that wasn't in Latin, the reason for that is because they wanted only, only priests to decipher what the Word of God was. If you were caught with a Bible not in Latin, they executed you. Sounds very godly, doesn't it? So from 600 AD to 1500, if you were caught with a Bible that wasn't in Latin, then you'd be, you'd be executed. People couldn't read their own Bible. People couldn't read the Bible. They had to have somebody else be the go-between between what God has spoken and to them. And so even when we read our Bible, it's an exercise in freedom, and we need to be rejoicing over that. And, and, and have a spirit that goes from, I got to do this, to, man, I, I get to do this. Most of the people in history didn't get to, have, to read a Bible. Many people in the world don't, don't even have a Bible in their language still. And you have five in different translations. And some of them are rainbow colored and duct taped and metal and all these different things and bedazzled. I don't even know. I think we need to have a get spirit. Some of us are like early on Sunday morning. I mean, I say early, you know, you go to the 11 o'clock service, you wake up at 1030. And you're like, oh, it's so early. I'm so tired. 
Oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, this is, I don't want to. This bed is so wonderful. And God was speaking to me in dreams, and maybe I should let him continue. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may pursue or may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's a privilege that we get to join together. It's a privilege that that there are many places on the planet today, today, you watch the news today. There are people that when they gather together for what we call church, they're killed for it. And so I want us to move from this like, oh, I've got to do it to, man, I I get to. And it's an attitude thing. When it comes to prayer, do you realize that we get to approach the throne of grace with boldness? We get to approach the King of kings and Lord of lords before him. Where, where, I mean, you read in the Old Testament, people that saw him would die. Or, you know, Moses, like, aged like 5,000 years or something. I don't know. But, I mean, you get to approach God's throne and you don't even have your beard turn white. This awesome. We get to approach the throne and we serve a God who welcomes us. That's incredible. We get to spend time with him. We, it's not like, oh, I haven't spent time with God today. I've got to do that. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we don't live by discipline. I'm not saying that we don't, we don't live by like, this is something that I am instilling in my life and I'm going to do. There are times where, where it is a choice, but I'm talking about an attitude where it's not a mundane, where it's just this burden where, where when we feel like I've got to do it, it's, it's a verb that means I must, I'm burdened to do it, to changing to a, I get to do it. It's an opportunity. It's a blessing. It's something that God has given me. I think it's really important when we talk about prayer, you know, I don't want there to be this, this spirit of, oh, I've got to spend time in the prayer room. Oh, I've got to spend time. Oh, man, this is my prayer block to lead, and I've got I to gotta go do it. I'd rather be sleeping or doing homework or dating, but I've got to go do that. No, 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 no. We have a spirit of, I get to participate in what God is doing on planet earth. This is, this is an incredible opportunity. I think the thing that we most have a got spirit about, the thing that we most feel like, oh, I've, I've got to do it, but I don't want to, is a little thing called evangelism. I don't really like the word evangelism, I don't really know what it means, so I looked it up. I mean, I know what it means, but I don't really know what it means. Evangelism has such a weird connotation in so many of our, of our lives. I looked up what evangelism means. It means zealous preaching and advocacy for the gospel. All of a sudden, I started to like it. I like zealous preaching and advocating for the gospel. I think so many of us don't like the idea of sharing our faith. We don't want to be the, oh, I don't want to be too preachy. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to offend people. When I, was, uh, when I was in high school, I did, uh, my summers, I would spend coming or going to, a, I, I didn't call it a camp then because I thought it was more cooler than that, but I'll call it a camp. And, uh, but it was here in Colorado Springs. I was, from, I was in Oklahoma, and I would come here. And, uh, and I remember, some of you may have done some things like this. I remember having like the evangelism day where uh, they would take us down a, a busload of like 50 high school kids to Acacia Park to evangelize, and we were supposed to, we'd have like four hours where we were supposed to just walk the park and tell people about Jesus. Have you done these things? If you've ever done any kind of like missions trip and you're like, you're told to paint your face and do a drama in the name of evangelism, and you're like, they don't even know what I'm doing, but okay. But, but we would do this where we were like, 
sent out into the park and we had to evangelize the people. And so we had four hours and what my friends and I would mostly do is walk around with our heads bowed, pretending like we were praying, but we were just having conversations. And, uh, and we would, when we would see people that we could possibly talk to, uh, we would look the other way. And, uh, and we would do whatever we could to not talk to people about Jesus for these four hours. And when we did talk to people about Jesus, it was so awkward. And we're like this like 15-year-old little boy. And I'm like, hey, um, have you heard about Jesus? And, 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 and it was really weird. And I hated it. And we do whatever we could to not have to. I feel sometimes when we talk about telling people about Jesus, we have a, it, it, just a burdensome spirit about it. I want to talk tonight about how we can move from having a got to to a get to when it comes to the gospel. How can we move from having a burden to the privilege of talking about the gospel? Romans 1.16, this is Paul writing. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, because it is the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In America, we've... Uh, We've kind of tried to take the gospel and make it palatable to people. And, uh, and, and maybe not just even America. Maybe it's uh, in Western civilization. We, we've tried to relevantize. That's not a word. I made it up. The gospel. And, uh, and we've kind of tried so often we've tried to like cool up the gospel. And let me make it, let me make it really easy for you to understand. Let me, let me, let me try, to, try to, you know, make it simple for you. And in so doing, so often, We've taken out the power of the gospel. We've so tried to make it relevant that Os, Os Guinness says that, how have we as Christians, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it. He says, how on earth have we as Christians become so irrelevant when we have tried so hard to be relevant? He goes on to say, the gospel of Jesus is relevant to all people or else it is not truly the gospel. So often we try to take the gospel and we try to make it relevant to people. We try to make it cool. We try to make it something that they can understand and something that, they, that, something that they'll like. Have you guys ever heard the offense of the cross? Oftentimes it's called the offense of the cross. Here's why. It is offensive to tell someone, yeah, you're weak and you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. You're in need of a savior. That's offensive. That is like the anti-American spirit. You know, you can't do it on your own. People don't like hearing that. It is the offense of the gospel to say, yeah, you're weak, you're a sinner, and you need Jesus. You need a savior. The gospel is offensive at its core. At its core, it's not something that's sweet and nice and, oh, I feel so good and warm fuzzies inside. And yet we've so tried to make it that because we've wanted to fill our rooms. I think I, I want to go through some of the things that we've done, some of the questions that we ask in today's, today's gospel message. And we, we, basically, if you're, if you're in, you know, you're trying to lead someone to Jesus, then there's some certain things that you want to make sure that they, some certain questions you want to ask them. First off, you want to ask them, do you know that you're a sinner? That's a good question to ask. Do you know that you're a sinner? Then we, we move on. The second question is, do you want to go to heaven? And then thirdly, will you say this prayer? Those are the three questions that we so, we so that's, that's kind of our typical way of trying to lead someone to Jesus. Do you know you're a sinner? Do you want to go to heaven? Will you say this prayer? Well, let me talk about those things 
I don't feel, I don't think that those things are actually very adequate. When we ask, do you know that you're a sinner? Um, here's the deal. Everybody that believes that there is some kind of good knows that they are not perfect. Everybody knows that they are sinners. Do you know that if you, I, I would venture to guess if you were to ask Satan, are you a sinner? He'd be like, yeah, and proud of it. Most human beings, we are fallen and we know the depths, most often we know that we, we really are sinners. So it's not enough to just say, do you know you're a sinner? The real question that we want people to get to is, do you hate the sin you once loved? And do you want to love the God you once hated? It's not about, do you know that you're a sinner? It's, do, does the, do you recognize the depth of what that sin is and, and how it is holding you back and how it is ultimately leads to death? That our, our evil desires lead to sin and sin ultimately leads to death. And do you hate that sin? Do you hate that thing that once held you? And do you love the God that you once hated? That's the question. That's really at the root of what we need to be asking. And so often we ask, do you want to go to heaven, friends? Everybody wants to go to heaven. What a dumb question. Do you want to go to heaven? No, no, I would really actually rather suffer for eternity. Uh, I would rather burn. And um, I would, uh, yeah, I, hell. I mean, you'll get the arrogant people that will say, I'd rather go to hell with my friends in heaven without them. Um, they'll change their mind. And, uh, but, but, but everybody wants to live in paradise. Everybody wants life to be easy now and when they're, when they're in eternity. So it's not ultimately a question of do you want to go to heaven. I want to read this verse for you. In uh, John 17, 3, Jesus says this. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The question is not, do you want to go to heaven? It's, do you want to worship and know God? Because let me tell you, you will only be impressed with golden streets for so long. to tell people good news. It's not like I'm like, oh man, I got some good news. But I'm not telling you. When, I, when Amy and I got engaged, I called my parents. And I was like, guess what? And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm so excited. I have such great news. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, never mind. I was like, you wouldn't really understand. I tried to explain it to you, but, you know, it's too complicated and whatever. No! I was like, I did it. I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And then I hung up the phone. I started texting everybody. I started calling everybody I knew. And then I sent out tracks to the entire world called, they were called announcements in order to let everybody know that I was engaged. When you have good news, you want to tell people. Do we believe that the gospel is good news? Do we really believe it? If we would believe it, then we'd live like it. We would walk around with a smile on our face that we have been saved. And when we see people that haven't come to Jesus, it would break our heart and we would be excited to tell them the good news of how they can come to him. We need to believe it's good news. We need to believe. Even when Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I want you to see that what he's saying there is, I'm, I know that, that, that I, I get beat down sometimes for this. Not everybody accepts it as good news, but it is good news nonetheless. And he's like, even if you beat me, I'm okay. If we start to see people, if, or if we start to believe that the gospel really is good news, 
that we'll tell people. And it's good, and we're fine with it. And, it's, it's, and if they don't listen to us, we're like, oh, that was good news. I'm trying to tell you to do something because I'm, I'm like looking down at the way we live. No, 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 this is, this is in me. This is what I want to live. And I think for all of us, the thing we need to do is we need to search our heart and say, okay, Jesus, what do I need to do? What can I do? And do I have a right spirit? Or is there something in me that is off? Is there some mentality in me that isn't right? Is there some way that I have um, excused myself from, from this? Where I don't like doing it, and so I convince myself I don't have to. And let's just ask those questions. And let's just, let's just start being people that do what Jesus told us to do. Go into all the world and make disciples. And it does. he did say to make disciples. And, and so, again... I'm not trying to get us to get people to um, start calling themselves Christians. I want us to really help people become disciples of Jesus. And so most of that means living like him every day, loving people, and when, I, when you have the opportunity, not shying away, not, not being afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7, we all know this, through 10. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through appearing oh man so i want us to be people that love jesus and because we love him we're not ashamed to tell people about him we're not ashamed to live in the gospel because even as i said before that this is ultimately not about convincing people that they're sinners it's ultimately not about if they want to go to heaven and can say a prayer and even though what we were saying, this is about giving up our life for him to have lordship. But the trade-off, it ain't bad. It's the good news. We get to have friendship, relationship, and eternity with him. There is blessing in this age, but there is eternity with him. And he's worth it. And we say that over and over. We're going to keep saying it until we all really get it. He is worth it. And we go. And we love people. And we tell them when we can. So that one more person can stand before him, can kneel before him. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.